Welcome back, everyone. This is Double Hot Beat, episode 60, where we're taking the pulse of the beer brewing scene and cider scene. I'm James, home brewer and beer enthusiast. And I'm Shannon, a beer intermediate. Today, we are getting into the fall spirit by talking about cider. And in order to do this properly, we have with us Craig Collins, the senior cider maker from Down East Cider. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Craig. Hey, guys. Glad to be on. Glad you could join us. We're very excited. I Ciders are one of my favorite fall beverages next to pumpkin beer, so this is very exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, big same. This is uh, Shannon's trick-or-treat before Halloween, so <laughs> this is definitely a very special episode for us, and we're excited that you're here with us. Uh, so if you want to just start off on how long you've been making cider, did you start home brewing before you got your spot at Down East? Just tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I actually grew up in Maine, up in the great north, and uh, you know, apple picking in the fall is always one of my favorite things. And when I started actually homebrewing when I was just over 22, 23, about seven, eight years ago, and uh, I got a homebrew kit for Christmas, started homebrewing, just some beer, and uh, really enjoyed it a lot. You know, it's kind of new to craft beer, it's exploding at the time. And I, interestingly, I never actually homebrewed any cider. I never did any cider at home and only had really dabbled in hard cider prior to looking into the brewing industry. I started looking at the brewing industry in about 2015 when I was looking for a change of pace. I've been working at a bike shop for about six years at that point. And, uh, you know, loved the bike industry. I had uh, quit college because it was too expensive a little while before that. And, like, was, like, kind of not sure what I was going to do the rest of my life, but I was going to go back to school or whatever. So I started applying to breweries because I really enjoyed homebrewing and, you know, beer culture and stuff. And uh, Down East was the first place to get back to me and, you know, talk to them on the phone, talk to Matt. Uh, Matt Brockman, uh, one of the owners, talked to him about a week after that and came into their little tiny Charlestown facility and uh, it was it was a wild place, and I was like, okay, this seems like a scrappy little place that I can get along with, and uh, you know, jump into the industry. And uh, that was May of 2016, and yeah, I feel like I just you know rolled dice and hit the jackpot because since then we really just took off and really killed it on pretty much every single front, like massive expansion, you know, huge year over year growth, doing really exciting things, you know, from the eight fermentation tanks that we had when I started there over five years ago. We now have 19, four of which are almost four times the size of the original ones that we had. So yeah, massive expansion, really cool new products. And yeah, I've been, it's been a wild ride and I'm really uh, loving it here still. Wow. That's great. That really does sound like extensive growth. What size tanks, if you don't, if you know off the top of your head, are yeah. they now compared to what they were? So yeah, we measure everything in hectoliters, which is a hundred liters. So it's kind of a, it's close to one to one with barrels. It's not exact, but like for layman's terms, like it's basically a barrel, you know, brewing kind of interchangeable. So our old tanks are about 150 hectoliters, about 3,000 gallons, and uh, the new tanks are 600 hectoliters and uh, 16,000 gallons. Wow! So they're very, very big. They go all the way to the ceiling of our facility in here in East Boston. And uh, yeah, I'm looking out over. I'm in the lab right now, looking out the window at them. And they're, yeah, every time I look at them, I'm like, this is huge. I can't believe we're doing this stuff. <laughs> that is massive. That's insane. So you got into home brewing, and then you made your way into the cider world. So what's the basic process of making a cider compared to making a beer? Yeah, so uh, in some respects, cider is simpler. In some respects, it's a little more complicated. So any 
raw apple juice that you press from apples can turn into cider, hard cider, and it will do so naturally because of the natural yeasts and various microbes that are found naturally on the skins and in the flesh of apples. So if you just, you know, press an apple into apple juice and then you just let it sit at room temperature, it will ferment into alcohol. Now, that alcohol that you get out of that may not be great tasting because various wild yeasts don't necessarily make great stuff. In brewing, of course, you take grains, you add hot water to them, extract the sugars, and then you boil that wort, and then that you have you start basically with a sterile product, and then you introduce yeast to it. So the way you make cider, we actually pasteurize everything and on the front end before we do any fermentation to make sure that we are only adding our house yeast to that uh, to that cider to ferment it. There are wild yeasts. Again, they don't generally make, they do make good tasting cider sometimes. It's not worth the risk of like just throwing it at it. So we always want to make sure that it's only our yeast going into the cider. So. so you hear that, Flocculation Nation. Yeast is also a major component to cider, which is shocking to me. I mean, it's not shocking. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But it just shows how important yeast is in both the brewing world as well as in cider making. And I guess a lot of people, including myself, before you had originally talked to us about it on how yeast is involved in making cider, I just would have assumed that I guess it just would have fermented on its own and, you know, done its own thing. But I guess yeast is that microorganism that just is so dynamic that can do something even in cider. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you, uh, I actually recently listened to another podcast, uh, the Ologies uh, podcast with Allie Ward, which is a fantastic podcast. I'm sure you guys have listened to that, but they just recently did a uh, Ciderology episode, uh, I think last week, which had really, really super in depth of information for, uh, you know, anyone who's interested in the deep, deep science of and history of cider. And really great stuff in that, that podcast episode. Definitely check that out too. Highly recommended. But yeah, we use Saccharomyces cerevisiae, regular old ale yeast, in all of our fermentations. And uh, yeah, it takes care of it, eats up all the sugar that's, that's naturally found in the, uh, in the apple juice and turns it into that great sweet alcohol that we love to uh, have a good time with. Now, I am a, I'm a baker, as some people have heard mm-hmm. me talk about. So in the fall, I make a lot of apple pies. And as a baker, I know yeah. there's specific apples that are better for baking You know, pies. Some are better for applesauce. So yep. what apples, are there certain apples that you would recommend for cider that you guys only use for your cider? Yeah, so there are apples that are grown specifically for cider use. Those generally tend to be the ones that are more considered a bittersweet apple, have a higher acid content. Malic acid is the dominant acid type in apples as well as in pears. So those bittersweet apples have a higher acid to sugar ratio than things that you'd consider as a baking or an eating apple. Some of the varieties that are fairly common are um, Kingston Black in New England. Uh, You have uh, what are called Pippin apples generally tend to be a smaller apple with a very, very bitter taste that you wouldn't necessarily want to eat raw, but they make really, really robust cider. As for our stuff here, because those traditional cider apples are not generally good producers for volume of fruit, we actually mostly use a good old Macintosh apple. Our juice guy, Tom, out in Stowe, Massachusetts, shout out to Tom. He sources all of the apples raw and gets them into us and presses. And we like to keep about a 50% Macintosh mix at, at the optimal. And usually we get that about year round when it's been a good crop. 
if the apple crop is a little bit lower and a little bit not as good, uh, we will start to see some, you know, regular, honestly, like grocery store varieties of apples start to come in towards the tail end of the crop in the early summertime before the new crop hits around August. This time of year where, you know, you're starting to see, you know, fresh apple cider hitting the uh, grocery stores and stuff, this is really the... Uh, prime time for apples and the really, really good juice that we get in. It's higher in acid, it's a little bit lower in sugar, and it has a really, really well-balanced flavor. The other big apples that we get, Jonah Mac, Jonah Gold, a Macintosh hybrid apple is going to be really, really good for uh, for making a good hard cider out of. Honestly, if you know if somebody is trying to press their own apples or uh, get apples for cider making, get what you can get and see what happens. Because there, I don't think there's any bad apple necessarily. Uh, you can even take you know Granny Smith's or Red Delicious, and uh, still make a pretty decent cider out of it. Now, does the apples also play a part in those uh, ciders that are, are drier versus the ones that are more sweet that you would normally taste during the fall season? So actually, interestingly, no, because most Almost all of the sugars that are in apples naturally are completely fermentable. So any cider that you make out of pretty much any apple juice is going to be completely fermentable and the yeast are going to consume all or almost all of that sugar up into, up to their alcohol tolerance level. Now, unlike wines, uh, where grapes have very, very dense sugar content, apples don't actually have that high of a sugar content. I think the highest Brix juice that we've ever seen here, Brix, of course, is a percent sugar by weight. I think the highest British juice we've ever seen here is about 13, and that ferments out. It goes completely dry to only at about seven and seven and a half percent alcohol. Whereas a uh, you know a wine must, you might get a percentage of sugar up to 20 or even higher, and that may go over the alcohol tolerance of certain yeasts. Attenuation percentage, of course, is a uh, is something that you can talk about there. And if you wanted to use a less attenuative yeast in your cider making, you could certainly do that to leave a little bit of residual sugar. But generally speaking, most cideries that I know of ferment completely dry or uh, and then they'll add fresh juice on the back end called back sweetening to bring the sugar level up to what their targeted sugar level is or somewhat riskier. You can arrest fermentation through either pasteurization or the use of sulfites to stop the yeast from fermenting at a certain desired sugar level. Those are generally seen as, you know, in the modern cider making world, I think as somewhat riskier procedures because you get much more variability and it's hard to target that exact sugar content that you want to get. It's much easier to say, okay, I've got a completely dry 6 7% alcohol cider here. I'm going to add 1%, 2%, whatever amount of juice back to it after it's finished fermenting. And then prevent fermentation in that to package it at the desired sugar level. Wow, that that's just crazy. It's just mind-blowing to think of. Most people would just think, okay, you ferment your your apples and you get apple cider. They don't really understand yeah. the whole process behind it and how long and labor-intensive it really is to get that Absolutely. product yeah. that tastes you know, amazing that people expect in an apple cider and a hard cider. Yeah. And again, like when I started out, I had honestly no clue. Like I had made the most, the closest thing to cider I've made was actually uh, a mead. I made a mead at home in uh, 2015, which turned out to be pretty good, but uh, definitely gave me a little bit of a headache uh, afterwards. But, um, you know, I had no clue going into this. And like folks here at Downey's, like my old bosses really brought me up to speed really quickly. And I learned a lot <laughs> in the first couple of years. I'm still learning stuff every day here, you know, different different procedures we get books in and like you know different articles that come out about like oh trying this new thing but 
the general bones of it are uh, pretty much that. Like you ferment it out and uh, any sweetness you generally end add in at the back end. Some of the best ciders like in uh, in France or what are or whatnot, like uh, you know, well, I'd say like are sometimes considered like the top tier ciders. Uh, will sometimes be even back sweetened with honey. Of course, parts that really, really nice like honey sweetness on them. Right. Yeah. So now we've talked about kind of the process behind making cider. And now it's just making me thirsty for more cider. So let's let's talk about some of the flavors, especially at, at Down East, because we're very familiar with Down East. And it was actually funny how we made this introduction. I was actually golfing with my brother down Cape Cod, and we happened to be paired mm-hmm. with Matt and his, yeah. I believe, his father-in-law. And of course, my golf yeah, yeah. play is just terrible. Um, so I had to apologize <laughs> multiple times for that. But the good thing behind it is we made this connection of, oh, I really enjoy your ciders once we introduced ourselves. And I was like, I would love to get you guys on the show and really share yeah. with our listeners who are very homebrew focused and craft beer focused, kind of introduce Downey cider that we're familiar with from the Northeast and being around the Boston area. But I love our, all our listeners are international as well as being throughout the United mm-hmm. States. So what are those flavors that Down East is really pushing right now other than the traditional? I know the original is one of my favorites from Down East. What's some of the flavors that you right, guys right. are kind of bringing out and what's your favorite? So this past year, we've really brought out a massive amount of new ciders into our portfolio. Like you said, original blend, it's our core, it's the thing that we make all the time. I mean, I could probably make it in my sleep, to be honest. I made so much of it. But right now, we have coming out, of course, Pumpkin Blend, been in the marketplace for a couple weeks now. We just launched this week Cider Donut, one of our most popular blends, making that for two years now. It is tastes just like a fresh apple cider donut that you get at the orchard. Really great, like brown sugar flavors. We actually put into each batch, like literally a uh, a ton and a half of brown sugar, oh, wow. uh, straight into the batch. It is amazing, and you know makes the cider house smell incredible when we're making that stuff. We are launching pretty soon. We're coming out with blueberry. Blueberry, one of my uh, absolute favorite can arts. I'm actually looking at the cans right now. We just got the cans in today. Can't wait for these to get out in the marketplace. Blueberry is going out there. It's really nice fall flavor is coming in. And uh, we are actually making right now on the, on the production floor, we're producing uh, our first winter blend, which is an oak, cinnamon, and nutmeg flavored cider, which we keep oak, cinnamon, and nutmeg and some nice hot, wa- hot water, make a nice spiced tea there, and uh, blend that into the cider for a nice warming winter cider. That's a little oh. higher ABV coming in at six and a half. Really, really great cider there. And then we've also produced a bunch of kind of offbeat stuff a little more whimsical interesting things that might look at you might look at and be like what is this we actually produce blue slushy uh blue raspberry flavored cider what no um, way that's that's <laughs> yeah dead serious insane. packaged that last week or two weeks ago i think and uh it was certainly interesting and uh yeah the cans look just like you know old icy our um blue slushy from uh you know seven down 7-eleven oh my god uh, nostalgia fact, uh yeah, naturally flavored. I didn't know that you could get natural blue raspberry flavor, but yeah, we've been delving into a little more like natural flavors and uh, things like that this year, branching out from, you know, just doing straight just juices and things like that. We're trying to branch out. We've done a couple of hard teas. Uh, hard tea, we're actually producing a little more of that this week. Hard half and half, kind of like an Otto Palmer. Registered trademark, of course. We couldn't put that on the can. They got mad at us last time. We've got a ton of stuff coming out next year. It's like, I, I every time I look at the innovation portfolio, just I'm just like, like yes. wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think, some crazy stuff. Yeah. I think it's just crazy how like you think of cider and you just think of a one dimension, you know, that 
original right. cider flavor, but then it's like you're pushing the limits on everything like a craft beer was. You know, beer was just mm-hmm. known for like mm-hmm. the lager or just one style, and then it just evolved yeah, from there. Yeah, I, I think one of the greatest things that cider gives to the craft beer world and craft industry is just being gluten free, like truly gluten free. Oh, totally, totally. So I think that just really helps out those people who can't have gluten. And I know the yep. beer industry is always kind of like, well, you know, we have our market. Let's just, you know, stay clear yep. of the gluten free. Yep. That's another thing that like, I honestly, when I started working here, I had a, uh, you know, I had a number of friends who are, are celiac, can't have gluten for one reason or another. And very shortly after I started here, uh, one of my friends was getting married. And I was like, oh, I can homebrew you some beer for your wedding. And she's like, I've actually been told by my doctor to limit my gluten intake. And I was like, oh, I can bring you some cider. <laughs> like, I, you know, I brought her a bunch of like our like coolest stuff from way back then. We we had a Saison cider that we tried, which is really weird. And uh, I wish we'd try that one again. It was just a real pain to make. You know, we had some of that stuff. And I was like, wow, this is one that's like, you know, anybody can drink this. Like anybody can have apple cider. Even um even one of my friends who was uh, allergic to apples, raw apples, could drink or can drink our cider because fermentation takes out the uh, component that uh, they were allergic to. Also in the seltzer market, fun fact, I didn't really know this. I didn't really think about it. I'm not a big seltzer drinker, but like things like White Claw and like other big seltzer brands, they're not gluten-free because they're made from a barley or a, um, a grain blend. And from that, they're like a malt liquor. But we've been delving into some uh, experimentation with seltzer bases. And actually, our hard teas are made with just a sugar wash fermentation that is completely gluten-free because we're a gluten-free facility. So anybody can have them. And we've gotten a lot of feedback um, from people who used to partake in things like twisted tea and can't have that because it's not gluten-free and are enjoying our hard teas and things like that this summer. So yeah, I'm re- I really, really love that uh, we can make things that anybody can enjoy pretty much. Yeah, I think I think it's great to just be a part of it and to be able to say like, hey, I can bring to the craft industry this new beverage and reinvent, yep. you know, the norm of what cider is. And I think that's one of the great things that sets you guys apart, especially in the Northeast. I mean, you know, it's it's great that you guys, I think, are expanding so rapidly now that I do you know how many states roughly you're in now. <laughs> Oh gosh, that's uh, probably so something Matt could probably Matt. answer. Um, <laughs> honestly, that's much more of a Ross question. I feel like Matt would be like, "Oh God, uh, <laughs> Every, uh, everywhere." He, he hopefully, idea. yeah, yeah, we're getting pretty close. We are definitely out to like uh, over a dozen states at least. We have the whole New England, New England subcontinent covered up here, down to New Jersey, Maryland, uh, I believe in Delaware. Uh, we're, we're branching into Virginia, I believe. One of our sales guys started open territory in Virginia. And then out west, we're pushing into Michigan, Minnesota, Missouri, and Colorado in the Midwest and the western states. We were pushing for California and the west coast. COVID kind of put a, uh, put a damper on that. We were hoping to open. I think we actually did do a launch in San Francisco right about the week or two before everything got shut down in 2020. So those plans kind of got put on hold. We decided to really, uh, you know, sure our feet here in New England and our home base marketplaces uh, up here in the Northeast and uh, before we go all the way out West. So what's a flavor or a component, for example, in beer, sometimes nutmeg is thrown in there or that, Mm -hmm. or cardamom. What's a, what's a, ingredient that you wouldn't necessarily pick up on in a cider unless you were really in tune with you know how to drink a cider and the components that go into it 
So honestly, I really think that like a lot of the fermentation components, you run into some of the similar, um, you know, nose flavors and things like that. Uh, I really think that like our original blend, like most people crack a can, crush it back, have a good weekend, you know, evening, whatever. That's great. Shotgun it. Heck yeah. I've done tons of OB shotguns in the backyard, like with guests and stuff over the years. But if you pour it into a glass, like you really pick up on some of those like floral notes on the nose from the fermentation and also from the fresh cider that we get in. That Those things do change a little bit over the year with the apple crops that are coming in. You know, if you get an original blend or a double blend or something that's just with the apple right now in September, October, November timeframe, it will be slightly different in terms of your you know, the notes on the nose, the notes on the back, the after, you know, after you drink it, you might get a little bit, something like a pepper, I think almost peppery notes on the back end. Yeah, that's um, that's what I was kind of getting at of what what that yeah. is. At the, right at the end of you're taking that nice sip of your cider, that it's almost like that peppery, it kind of hits your nose a little bit. Yeah, and it's really, the, I think it's really the higher acid content. I'm not really, you know, like, I'm not like a sensory scientist or whatnot. I do, uh, you know, spend some time in the lab talking to the lab guys and gals, but, you know, we it's, I, I couldn't put my finger on like exactly what compound it is. But there's definitely like the higher acid content, which really, you know, like dries your mouth out a little bit and like has those like nice sharp notes at the end. And we do target a lot of, uh, a lot of cideries and uh, breweries even do target PA for their finished blends. We actually target a uh, specific acidity level because that's our kind of more of our flavor profile. And that's where your flavor really comes from is uh, in the, in the mouthfeel of the acid. Uh, it really comes from that acidity level, uh, which is a percent by weight. So we targeted that, and we started targeting that about four years ago, I think. It really changed our flavor profile. It got a lot more consistent throughout the year. Wow. I think my mom right now is, like, screaming at the, you know, the speakers right now going, wait, you're, you're putting acid in your mouth? No, don't do that. No, mom. Very, very, it's... very low percentages. Trust no, me. mom, don't worry. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. yeah, percentages are, like, below 1%, so it's very, very low. Right. And honestly, like you could, the acid that we put in malic acid, citric acid to balance the flavor, you could, you know, I, you know, I taste it. It's like, it's like eating a warhead. It's uh, it's very, very sour, but it's actually kind of pleasant. Oh yeah. So what's some of those, so I know a lot of people right now are starting to hit the stores, getting ready for the fall season. Uh, and I know I've been asked this many times, what's like for certain beers is like a prime time to go and like. Usually it's earlier than you would expect. So if you're going to the store to try and get those ciders, would you recommend mm-hmm. going earlier in the season? Because you mentioned that the flavors will change. Would you recommend yep. them going in September, October, or even November, or just hit them all the time? I mean, all the time, of course. But, you know, is there a peak time where you're going to get the most amount of variety? So say you mentioned your cider donut, you mentioned the original blend, the winter one, which is I'm super stoked for that. I can't wait for that to come out. Mm -hmm. Do you recommend any tips or tricks on what to look for in a cider in the store or where to, what time to go? Really, we, we do have a year round portfolio and it really just changes with the seasons and what's, you know, in vogue for flavors and stuff like fall, which we call cider season is our peak production time frame. You're going to see the more spice ciders. Uh, pumpkin blend, of course, with a nice chai tea in that. And uh, things like winter blend and cider donut coming out throughout the fall. That's when you're definitely going to see the more spicy things. In terms of production, honestly, distributors, they want it earlier every year. We made our first pumpkin blend in late or late June, early July this year. It was like, great, chai tea, and it's 95 degrees out. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. I think I saw but, uh, some uh, yeah. like Oktoberfest coming out in like June, yeah. August. And it, I'm like, what is this? 
it's honestly one of the things that I'm like, come on guys, like let's put it out in September 1st, like not August 15th, like, but it's, it's how the sales market goes. Right. Exactly. Uh, in terms of like quality of sire, our stuff, I really believe is like truly very consistent year round. If you're really tasting it in like a tasting glass at like a little bit of a warmer temperature to get some of those, you know, more floral notes out of it, you might notice a difference throughout the year. Honestly, I've, our stuff has a, I believe six month or eight month Best Buy date. And it's pretty consistent across that uh, that whole spectrum. So there's no like best time to buy like OB or double blend or whatnot. And I even think like, you know, if you find one in the back of your fridge, it's been there for a year, two years, three years, whatever it is. I've had a six-year-old can. It was fine. As long as you don't turn your nose up at it when you open it, you know, try it out. If you, you know, the nose knows really like when you crack it open, if it's something older than it's supposed, then it's maybe quote unquote supposed to be you know it, yeah, try something try something interesting it, it can only get uh, more interesting if it smells bad put it down the drain or whatever but in terms of seasonality uh the best time to get our ciders is really just like it's whatever's on season but if you hear if you see on our instagram like hey we're putting out cider donut this weekend get to your local liquor store like that stuff does not stay on the shelf for very long if you're having if anybody's looking for cider donut or looking for any of those specialty blends that we're coming out with uh we do have a uh locator on our website i believe uh which is kept somewhat relatively up to date or just message pete and he'll tell you uh what places might locally have your have our stuff in there and that's our uh, pete is our social media guy who keeps track of those things uh sometimes shout out um, shout pete out pete back. shout out for shout pete. Out pete yeah Pete's great. Uh, Max Kielsen, our, uh, he's uh, our business development guy. He also does a lot of that stuff. But yeah, in terms of seasonality, there's not a lot of variability across our core blends. Double blend, original blend, even white, uh, which is our white cider with uh, orange, coriander, and lemon. That's pretty consistent throughout the year. It really just changes with like what we're producing at that time. The seasonals, we have summer, we have pineapple, we have springtime with pear, and then we have the fall blends. Fall is really where we have the most variability. It's, uh, we got the pumpkin blend, we got the cider donut, we've got tail end of summer stuff like blue slushy. And uh, we also have, which may which may be a little harder to get because you kind of have to come here directly to the cider house. We have our rotating deep series, which is our high ABV uh, blends, uh, deep summer, deep spring, deep winter, and deep fall. Those ones are intensely flavored uh, with lots of big, bold flavors at a higher ABV. So those are really, really exciting. And uh, be sure to, they rotate all the time. It's it depends on what is uh, what the R and D team has cooked up. Keep an eye on our social media, Instagram in particular, to uh, see what's coming out and uh, get those before they're gone because they go quick. Yeah, you kind of just took the words out of my mouth there. I was going to ask you. It, every brewery kind of has a little secret up their sleeve, usually in their tap room, where they'll have a couple on premise yeah. only. Usually, yeah. the most experimental ones that they're working on and seeing if people enjoy them and kind of. Pushing the limits, I know the blue slushy, was yep. that something that was on premise <laughs> only or it became so popular that you you decided to can it and bring it around? That again? was our, um, that was our, uh, it is on premise only. It is in cans and that was just a super experiment, you know, cooked it up in R and D earlier this summer, you know, we're like, Hey, let's see how this performs. If we can bring it into the marketplace. A lot of things we do try in growlers at the taproom only. Some very exciting things like our deep series did come from that, as well as some of the things like pear and blackberry, which have come out of it. 
that are now almost year-round stuff. We also have the tavern, of course, definitely come by. We've got this awesome pop-up in East Boston. you got Skyline View. It's really an incredible spot. And we do always have something cool and interesting on tap. Uh, right now, we're coming into the weekend with uh, Mai Tai, cocktail-inspired cider. Uh, we do a lot of cocktail-inspired stuff down here. We've got a bunch of rum barrels and whiskey barrels that we uh, put cider in for like six months and then pull it out and make something cool with it. Oh my God. I have to get there. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You, you had me at my t- you had me at my tie and then the fact of the interesting I'm intrigued now to see what what you guys do with with that with your cider. Oh yeah, man. It's really, really good. <laughs> we just packaged it today. It's really something. That's only in kegs. You can take a keg home if you really love it, but it's only on on tap at the tap room. And in your tap room is located in Boston. Where exactly for those who are listening who are thinking about making yes. a trip to Boston that they can come see you guys? Absolutely, yeah. So we are located at a, in East Boston across the harbor next to Logan Airport. You're honestly, we're a 10-minute walk from the airport. Big secret. You can come here, grab some stuff, take home with you. It's really fun. You can walk straight to Terminal A in 10 minutes. Really wild. We are at a, our exact address is 256 Marginal Street in East Boston, Massachusetts. That is, if you're taking the train or the T, we are next to the Maverick Tea Stop on the Blue Line. And just starting next week, so the week this episode comes out, there will be an actual ferry going from the South Boston waterfront and the seaport straight basically to our front door going across the harbor. And that will be a really, really nice connection between the two shores. A little bit easier than the MBTA, which sometimes lacks in the uh, Oh, yeah. Shannon's very familiar (laughs) with that from all the years commuting to Boston. (laughs) Yeah. But so, yeah, so great things happening at Down East Cider. And I guess, well, I'm drinking the pumpkin right now, and I'm not a pumpkin fan normally. And I think this is just very unique, and it's only 5.1%. And I blew Shannon's mind because I'm one to analyze every can uh, Mm -hmm. that I... I'm just very fascinated by, you know, the art that's on the cans or what each brewery decides to write on the cans. And there's a very mm-hmm. special message on your cans um, <laughs> that you can actually get a totally different experience. We poured it in two glasses, totally different experience and flavor by reading that certain message. Yeah. Is that something that was tested and that's known as a fact or is that just a little a tip for those uh, reaching for their Down East Cider? You know, the shake the can, we've done that so many different ways. And the upside down writing has really been the most successful. You know, when I first started, it was like, yep, stuff settles. You know, we don't filter stuff. We're completely unfiltered. Like our finished product does not go through any kind of, it It goes through a coarse filter because the FDA doesn't like it if you don't do any sort of like, you know, filtration you right. in your line, yep, exactly. like that kind of thing. Like we have a very, very coarse filter that's like a, you know, emergency, like, oh God, there was like a something in the line and it gets caught or whatever but there's no fine filtration we want all that apple goodness all that spice goodness all that pumpkin goodness all that whatever it is going to the cider goodness to really stay in your can and some of that stuff settles out it's natural you know solutions are not perfect give the can a shake flip it up upside down a couple times swirl it shake it give it 10 seconds tap the top whatever or just go for it and you know pop it open you know doesn't foam too much cider doesn't really foam like a beer it has um a much lower protein content so you uh, don't have that uh really like big foamy head that you get with a lot of beers so it's often like pretty safe to just like shake it a couple times tap the lid a couple times crack it open but we've uh, we've done that a bunch of times with um we had a little uh video marketing campaign where we all did these incredibly goofy dances 
with uh, cider cans, shaking them in different various ways. You can find that on YouTube. It's really hysterical. I'm in it a couple times. Yeah, we've done it a few different ways, but uh, Pete, shout out Pete again, our uh, marketing guy. He's like, hey, why don't we just put some upside down text on the can? And uh, I don't actually remember who came up with it, but uh, we're all like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Let's see if it works. Put the upside down writing on the can, gets people's attention. You're trying to read it. You flip it upside down naturally and you go, oh, that's what I was supposed to do. Exactly. Exactly. Now shaking the can. (laughs) Exactly. How do we get people to shake the can without saying shake the damn can? Yeah. (laughs) Just put something upside down. (laughs) Just put something upside down and it it piqued my attention. We did receive a whole pallet of cans one time that were printed upside down. I don't think that was the inspiration for it, and I know that we sent those back, but I, I kind of wish that we had canned a few of those just to say, like, oh, yeah, now it's completely upside down. Let's see what happens. Uh, I'm pretty sure we just sent those back, though. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's great, too, and I think it's one of the first misconceptions, too, with beers that were first hazy, and they're like, oh, is there something yep. wrong with the beer? And yep. I think we get a lot of that, too, with cider of people see this heavy sediment, and they're like, is this normal? Mm-hmm. Should I be concerned? So, of course, that's normal in an unfiltered cider and it's actually promoted you know you want that flavor like you were saying you want the more the more flavor you get the more sediment there's going to be absolutely true and that you know like a recent quality improvement that we've taken this year is we test we now test the actual optical clarity of all of our ciders and if it's out of spec if it's too high or too low you know we'll spin the tank turn the tank over with a pump to make sure that, you know, that stuff hasn't settled in the tank, which generally it, it doesn't settle too much in the tank just because you have a larger volume there and it doesn't sit for as long. Stuff doesn't sit in our tanks for longer than like a couple days generally, finished product. But, uh, you know, when it's on a shelf for two weeks, few days, whatever, in your fridge for a couple of days, it's definitely going to settle out more like that. But yeah, you can also taste the difference. One thing that's fun to try is, and we've done this in sensory on actual customers coming into our lab doing sensory tests like this, a triangle test where you have two of the same and one different. And if you shake the can, mix it up, pour it in, it will actually taste markedly different depending on the blend or just subtly different than the unshaken can. I want to know how I can get into this tasting as a customer. <laughs> you can just come on, uh, keep, again, keep an eye on our social media. Honestly, turn on story alerts for Down East Cider. One of the ways we, uh, that we do tasting and uh, testing is signups on our story, and those go quick. They usually fill up within an hour. Okay. Uh, so turn on story alerts, watch Pete's weird posts, and yeah, uh, sign up for our tastings. Or, you know, drop by the tap room. We do them pretty frequently. Right now, we're doing a bunch of product testing on the weekends up in our lab. So drop by the tap room, see what's going on, and uh, just ask the tap room staff, like, hey, any weird tastings going on this weekend? You know, I hear, I hear you do sensory stuff. Uh, you help us make a better cider and uh, you get some free boost. It's great. Awesome. Pete, we're coming your way. Thanks, Craig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah Beck, why did you send these guys? They're drinking all our cider. What's going on? <laughs> I get like a text a weekend that's Pete, Pete's like, one of your friends dropped by again. Can you please stop this? <laughs> <laughs> and then you you laugh like that. And then he's like, no, but seriously. Thanks. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> it's really true. <laughs> no, nah, Pete's great. He, he, you know, more people, more better, more sample size, more better. You know, honestly, like sometimes we're like, we need more people to come to these things and we're finally getting it. And it's really great. During COVID, it was really, really difficult to do the testing that we wanted mm-hmm. to do. And uh, we set up, we set up in our freaking truck bay where we get deliveries. We set up some, some isolated tasting booths with like, alcohol swabs and everything because we just were like we gotta we gotta test some stuff on people and we had people sign up and we gave them free t-shirts it was great you gotta do what you gotta do yeah sake of cider it was fun (laughs) 
So just one last question for you, a little bit of a softball. Um, If you could describe cider in one word, what would it be? Oh, man, that's difficult. Shannon always Shannon Um, always has these one-liners, hook and sinkers. Yeah, being her husband, Um, she always gets me. So I'm happy that she (laughs) she does it on to everybody on this show. So it's great. I if I had to describe our cider in one word, I would say bold. Like we do like a lot of bold flavors, Mm -hmm. big flavors, like stuff that's like you're not going to find a blue raspberry slushy cider. (laughs) From any other manufacturer, like maybe Budweiser did like a lime marita or something at one point, but like you ain't going to find that in your grocery store freezer uh, or refrigerator or whatnot. We do cool stuff, weird stuff, whatnot that is really, really big and bold and different than everybody else. And uh, yeah, I think that's what makes us unique and what makes us really fun to work at, honestly. Great. Shannon, how would you describe cider in one word? Delicious. Oh, uh, yeah. It's like she was that's ready. a good one too. I was I was thinking about that. And I was like, man, I mean, it's delicious. Nah, bold, bold, bold's really big. And also, like another thing is like, you know, I love that every little town in New England and a lot of America has their little breweries and stuff. And I love going to them and I love visiting them and I love having people's homebrew. But there's only so many different ways you can do a lager. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and but but again, like hometown character awesome stuff. Don't want to knock any little breweries. Like I love going to little breweries and little cideries and stuff. Uh, but I do think that sometimes cideries just have a little bit more flair and a little bit more like adventurousness to them. I was up in Vermont over the summer, went to some really interesting cideries up there and some wineries up there that had some just incredible stuff. One place I, I definitely want to shout this place out. It's called uh, La Garagista. It is in Mount on Mount Hunger. I believe hmm. the area name in Vermont. It is uh, an incredible natural winery, and they make a cider uh, called the Flesh and the Bone, and it is one of the most unbelievable things I've ever drinking. Uh, it's like completely wild. I believe it's completely wild fermented, so like untouched. You know, when they it's just all natural yeast, and they do an incredible job of barrel blending it. And it's, every one is unique and interesting, and like just unbelievably cool flavors. So yeah, definitely adventurous and definitely bold. We're gonna have to add that to our list for. Our next Vermont trip. Yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. Like, uh, they're not open all the time. I got really, really lucky. But definitely go check, check their Instagram. They're really, really interesting folks. And uh, I believe you can mail order their wines and cider. The cider goes out of stock really, really quickly because it's really popular. I was lucky enough to get there when they had some in stock and they just bottled, I believe. Great. And the word I was going to yeah. use, since everyone's so interested to hear oh, what yeah. my word would be to describe <laughs> how cider is, I would say hardcore. Yeah, oh, is that I'd a say pun? So too. Did you? <laughs> that's a good one. That's a pun right there. But also because I, I was going oh, yeah, for bold. I was going for bold. I didn't even see that. <laughs> and, that's funny. Uh, Sh- like Shannon just knew me too well that I would pick up pun. But you said bold, and that was what I was thinking. So I went hardcore. But yeah, again, like good. I like that. It's just dynamic, like your craft beers, and it's my mind's been blown since exploring. You know, we're lucky being from Boston, the Boston area and being kind of in the Northeast mm-hmm. in that we kind of get spoiled with our fall season. And yeah, I think like you I said, totally like, <laughs> I've just I've just been having ciders more like even in the summer and spring. Like my mind was just blown knowing that like mm-hmm. it's just hard knowing in the stores that, you know, they might be in the back corner, like they might be tucked away somewhere when it's not that fall season. So just mm-hmm. be aware. And it's just awareness. Right. So it's knowing that you can yeah. go into a store and still find ciders. Just got to know where to look. Yeah. I absolutely agree. And another thing that like working in this industry has really opened me up to is like, if you don't see your favorite thing at your local store, tell the employees, like 
the biggest one of the biggest ways that we get into new accounts as a brand is by our customers like bothering their local liquor store to be like, yo, you don't have Down East. I love Down East. I want to buy Down East from you. And they call us and we're like, what distributor do I buy you guys from? Because I got like 10 people emailing me being like, Hey, I need Downies. And that's just how you get into places. And like, if you don't, you know, if, if the, if the guys where you're buying your, your, you know, weekend six pack from are, don't, don't know that you want down East or you want whatever your favorite brand is, you know, they're probably not going to pick it up. But if they, if you tell them like, even in passing at the register, Hey, like, Oh man, I really wish you had this. They're going to get it. They're going to tell their boss, their boss is going to order it from Kraft or whatever distributor. It's going to be there the next time you come in. And uh, another thing, like, you know, if, you, if you're looking on our Instagram and you see, oh, Cider Dunn's dropping next week, stop into your local liquor store mm-hmm. and uh, pick that up because it does go fast. Definitely. Okay. Well, I think that about wraps it up for us today. Yeah. Craig, we really appreciate you coming on the show. We had so much fun. And oh, it, was so, it was so great, guys. I'm really happy to do this super fun yeah i'm even more excited for fall now <laughs> yeah. is there anything else you so, uh, uh, want to plug before you wrap up come visit our tap room we got a really stellar tap room here our little pop-up on the pier is amazing best view of boston best view of skyline boston come over here on a thursday friday night and i'll probably be here because i'm the evening guy on production so drop in ask uh, the tap room crew hey where's craig like i want to say hey and uh, i'll be here so and you mentioned your Instagram page uh, for Down East Cider many times. What's the handle where people can find you and stay tuned to what's coming out at Down East? Yeah, uh, it is just Down East Cider, all one word. Down East Cider, direction, direction thing. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's pretty easy to find. We update, update very regularly, turn on story, story notifications for the most up-to-date stuff, and uh, you won't miss out on those fun tasting adventures and uh, our newest products. That is awesome. And that's a great way of describing, like, describing how you would say like down east cider like direction direction yeah, direction thing. direction thing that could be like a hilarious <laughs> yeah. name for like a new cider or something that something wild <laughs> yeah years of uh yeah actually that's a good idea that's a good name years of uh years of talking into the phone next to loud machinery <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly <laughs> Well, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Double Hoppy. And thank you again to Craig, our special guest, helping us kick off the fall season with some cider info. Yeah, special thanks to Downey Ciders out in Boston, Massachusetts. Make sure you check them out if you're heading to the Boston area. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode. Episode 60, Shannon, can you believe it? I can't believe it. We're That's here. Crazy. And thank you for all your support, all you listeners out there, both internationally and across the United States. Make sure to rate and review us and subscribe on your favorite podcast platforms. Yeah, it really helps us get new listeners and get our name out there. So we appreciate it as always. And this has been Double Double Hoppy. Hoppy. Catch Catch you on on the the brew side. side.